0: Dustin is like one of the most hated characters in the whole of Black Mirror.
2: Is that right? Have you, have you done well, a poll on that?
0: According to, like, Tumblr and places on the internet and Reddit oh. and things like that, you've got, like, serial killers, um, someone who's blocked from humanity, just, like, all these people, but Dustin comes in for a lot of hate, so I just really thought um, to build a lot of rapport with you, if I just open with that and... Uh, <laughs> I just don't come. know how I feel about that. It's harsh, <laughs> isn't it? Hello and welcome to Black Mirror Cracked, the podcast for all your Black Mirror needs. My name's Sitchadrika and I'll be your host. So today's podcast is going to work a little differently. Um, We have both episode analysis and an actor interview all in one. We have two guests today, 15 million merits actor Paul Popperwell, who played Dustin, and also our Birmingham Live colleague James Roger, who is a huge Black Mirror superfan, particularly for season one. Just so you know, this episode recorded a few weeks ago, so when Paul and James referred to Daniel Kaluuya's Oscar nomination, um, it was before the ceremony. The Oscars happened early this week, and as we know, Daniel sadly did not win Best Actor for Get Out, but he's had an amazing award season, and he did win the BAFTA for Rising Star. If you've not seen Get Out, I really recommend it. Just don't watch it alone, because it is actually really scary.
2: I am Paul Popplewell and I played Dustin in Black Mirror 15 Million Merits Season 1. Hello, yeah, it's
1: James again from Birmingham Mail, uh, advanced content writer. I'm a massive, massive fan of Black Mirror Series 1 and I'm uh, really delighted to be here again to analyse 15 Million Merits.
0: Paul, did you have any idea of how big Black Mirror would get when you were reading the script for the second episode?
2: no it, it certainly wasn't the phenomena that it has now become um but it was quality writing as as you know um so and and it was quality people attached to it you know when you've got a great script and um good actors producers writers casting directors when all these people want to be involved in it you know it's something really good uh, it always starts in the in the writing so I was, um, yeah, I was super keen to be be involved. We didn't really know what it was going to be. You're absolutely right. I don't think the budget was particularly huge. I don't know what the if that's changed or not. I'm not sure. But um, but we were all game to to, to jump on board. And um, it's become a phenomenon, hasn't it?
0: James, when I was in the Birmingham Live newsroom earlier this year, you told me that you love season one of Black Mirror most of all. Why is that?
1: These first three episodes, Series 1, are Black Mirror at its best. At its most raw, at its most honest, at its most dark. It was unlike anything else, and it's, it remains unlike anything else. And, yeah, um, Series 1 is just Black Mirror just at its finest for me. I'm, I'm not sure Brooker will ever top it, in my opinion, but that's just because I love it. absolutely adore it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Daniel <sighs> Kaluuya, who's now up for an Oscar. And, yeah. Uh, that was really the start of his career when you, you two worked together.
2: Yeah, I mean, he was already uh, kind of a hot thing, wasn't he? If I remember rightly, he was already tipped to, to be um, a, a hot young prospect. And, and look at him now, you know, uh, BAFTA winner, double BAFTA nominated, wasn't he, this year? He won one of them. He's, he's Oscar nominated. I mean, it's great. He's such a, you know, working class um, hero in many respects. You know, it's brilliant. He doesn't need my prayers. He's he's smashing it. But um, yeah, he's, he was a lovely lad as well. It was just a really nice, relaxed set. We didn't have trailers or anything like that, so we would just hang around in this little room in between scenes, just shoot the breeze. Yeah, he was he was a really nice guy and really good to work with, uh, as as uh, as they all were. You know, David and, and Jessica and uh, and all of them really. And it, the first thing
1: that struck me when I watched it the first time was uh, Daniel Kaluuya. It was probably my, probably his biggest role since he left Skins and he was never like a big part of Skins really, that that first generation. He was kind of always in the background. Um, But I just thought he was brilliant in this and that's the thing that stuck with me most when I finished watching it, was just his performance. He's very, very reserved and very, very focused for the whole episode. He he says a line at a time at most. But then at, at the end in this kind of, it kind of leads to this big crescendo on stage. Abby's been made to do something awful and he kind of just lets rip this vicious kind of stream of consciousness at these smug judges sat there. And it's like, it's an act of rebellion that it leaves the audience silent and it leaves the judges silent for a moment um, until they kind of, the facade comes down again and they lord him and they say, oh, what, what a fantastic, most uh, you know heartfelt thing that you've done and you've accomplished. And uh, yeah, I guess that's the thing, isn't it? Because he is so restrained throughout the whole thing and it, it does lead to this crescendo. And to be honest, you don't know whether the crescendo is even going to come. In the National Anthem, you always kind of know it's going to build to this thing. Um, And it's inevitable in a way. But with Bing, you're kind of like willing him to do this, but you're not sure whether he will. Um, And it's really powerful when he eventually does. And it's really, really, really well played by Kaluuya.
0: Paul, 15 million merits is so memorable visually. What was it like walking onto that set?
2: Well, it was... (sighs) Uh, it was pretty basic i have to say uh, in in t- i think a lot of it was done um well with the graphics and in the in the way it was brilliantly shot um but it was it was a pretty basic um um set you know all, all the layers of, of of booths i don't know what you would call them little cycle rooms that was all um in the post edit so um I mean, it was pretty cool. I have to say that, you know, when we're in the little bedrooms and and on the bike machines, it was like it was a really well-done, well-made, awesome little set, but it was pretty basic. And we were in like a hut somewhere, I think, on on an old studio plot. Yeah, it's amazing what they do in the post to to make it something completely different. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I don't remember it. As it is, because I watched it again. Yeah, it does look pretty awesome. I have to say, and uh, you know, you think, God, I want like that on the day. Oh, it is, it is a whole new world. It's when you look at the the colour of the
1: national anthem. It's it's shot very grey, very blue, very kind of strained almost. But this, it's kind of it's it's fright it's frightening really how how slick it all looks. It, it looks quite total recall in a way actually. That was my that was my first impression watching it back i was actually shocked by just how good it is visually um it kind of looks how all good dystopian kind of sci-fi should i always think it's completely different from our world and it's actually frightening to contemplate as well so visually different it's kind of like the matrix total recall blade runner all these things rolled into one being stuck in his own kind of candy crush like world um he's kind of like a me like uh me avatar like a nintendo Wii type thing um and it's really interesting, like, that whole aspect of, you know, you build up these credits so you can skip adverts and things like that. And um, so, you know, you're stuck, you're stuck inside this techn- technological world. You can't you can't click X uh, unless you clear more lines, things like that.
0: What was it like working with Charlie Bricker? Was he on set a lot and kind of... He,
2: no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. He, he came down a couple of times, just sort of pop his head in. Uh, I didn't have an awful lot to do with him, to be fair. He was very polite and friendly. But um, no, he was shooting something else at the time as well. So he was splitting his time between uh, a touch of cloth, I think it was. Um, so no, I only saw him a couple of times.
1: James, what is 15 million merits all about? It's it's very easy to watch this episode and say, oh well, you know Charlie Brooker hates hates the X Factor and or he hates the Voice, and I think that's yeah, fair enough. It, that it does say a lot of things about contemporary like kind of reality TV culture, but I think it says more, not so much as kind of like his hatred for them is kind of. I think the episode speaks more to the scarier aspect of society that kind of transcends television talent t- t- in the way that we kind of talent in this world that we live in is quite aggressively repurposed and repackaged into something that defeats the, their kind of authenticity and then the message they want to portray in their intent in a way it's kind of like society is repackaging them into these uh, the things that, that they almost don't want to be and they never dreamt of becoming yeah there's a surprising outcome and the outcome is that he gets a spot on his own show delivering this rant or rants of a similar nature um to his public um and that's that that's that's his outlet out like abby's outlet out was becoming a porn star his is delivering these streams of consciousness in these vicious ways um quite um scathing and very very real and very very honest um but they just become packaged like anything else into this thing that is just repeated and repeated and repeated and becomes not very authentic and not very heartfelt and um
2: that's that's how he spends his life it's a social commentary, isn't it, by Charlie and, 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 the, and the writing team? You know, it's sort of, you know, these people around us put, put, put them, people put them on the pedestals as, as like some sort of gods, like you know, deciding on people's lives. I mean, there's there's something to be said about it. I think this X Factor and Britain's Got Talent and all that sort of stuff. You know, people are aspiring for a for a way out. And, one man or a panel deciding whether whether you get that or not
0: yeah it's it's a really cruel universe what happens to abby is awful um you, you don't know what's going to happen to the other people who don't actually get chosen in any way do they get out um and even with the ending you sort of bing is alone in this in this flat and he has to keep doing the same thing again and again
2: I mean, it's not much of an escape, is it, really? No. I mean, he it gets to drink orange juice and he gets a view, but then you go, is that even real? Yeah, I think it probably is. But you're, you're, you're sort of left wondering. Um, it's still a lonely existence.
1: You've, you're right. he looks at the penguin origami and he thinks of Abby. And Abby, they're never going to see each other again, we assume. Both I'm very, to be honest, I got the impression that I'm not even sure whether Abby remembers her life beforehand. I'm not even sure whether she wants to see Bing again, whether she's aware that Bing's out there thinking of her, things like that, because she is so compliant through this this drug system and this, this entertainment industry that has um, brought her down to something that she doesn't want to be. Because this is, you know, this, it's supposed to be Bing getting his happy ever after in a way, but it really it's just it's absolutely awful and it's it's horrible really. But one of them. Uh, that I took away, was just how much, how all forms of entertainment involve a certain varying degree of um, being degraded, almost. And that struck me as just uh, devastating and um, terrifying, but also very, very real. Um, and it's just, you know, so much of it is separated from our world visually. But at the end of the day, it's it's very plausible that Bing can't escape this advertising, uh, you know, even by closing his eyes or covering his ears. Paul, what do you think of your character, Dustin? He,
2: yes. he's a bully, isn't he? He's not a particularly nice man. He's uh, he's a bully. He's cruel to people. It's it's pretty dark, really. But to him, it's it's the ordinary. It's he, I don't think he thinks he's been mean. I think it's it's just within him. He's not a particularly pleasant person, is he?
1: Most of us, we slog it in day in, day out. Uh, we have a bit of money or merits to buy things and to get rid of advertising and things like that if we want to um and then we're led to you know admire celebrities and um lifestyle and things like that and we're kind of trying to propel ourselves towards these people who we're supposed to aspire to be and and things like that and it's a reality of life um and it, it says more you know in in our culture are we are we in a way are we you know fair enough we've got a little bit more freedom on the surface but are we people like bing are we people like abby uh, you know on this kind of treadmill um and that's the way that society is has ingrained it in
2: us no i've only seen i've only seen two of them um but don't tell jodie whittaker that because i don't think i've seen as yeah
1: <laughs> oh that's a
0: really good one
2: <laughs> yeah i know i know well i, I say i know I, I mean i hear um but i've never watched it yet uh, i will watch him you know i'll catch up on netflix that's what i do a lot at the minute Um, in my black mirror, you know, that I'm using right now, actually.
0: Have you got anything coming out soon?
2: Yeah, I have. I've got, um, I'm not um, working on anything at the minute, but I've got um, a film coming out in a couple of weeks, actually. It's called Journeyman, and it's um, written, directed by Paddy Considine, and it's um, uh, Paddy's in it, Jodie Whittaker's in it, and it's about um, a world championship boxer who uh, sustains a life changing injury. Yeah, that'll be out in cinemas March thirtieth, I think. Yeah, March thirtieth.
0: Jodie is going to confront you at some point and just say, "Why you're not watching my episode?" I,
2: I don't think she'll care. She's too <laughs> easy going.
0: <laughs> but that—that
2: that was a, quite a little joke. When I said, "Don't tell her," but um, yeah, yeah, she's a bit bit busy, isn't she? With the old Doctor Who.
0: A little bit tied up at the moment.
2: Yeah, I would imagine. I would imagine very much so. Yeah.
0: So when was Journeyman filmed? Then was that filmed last year?
2: No, two years ago, oh, yeah. um, 2016, yeah, about March 2000. Yeah, nearly three, uh, nearly two years.
0: Long before, like she had any idea that all the Doctor Who stuff was coming up, but now everything has changed really for her.
2: I think it's probably changed. I don't want to speak for her, um, but I would imagine it's changed dramatically. And I don't think she had any idea that she was going to be doing um, Doctor Who back then. No, but again, um, no, no, she wouldn't have done because uh, Peter Capaldi was not long into it. So I don't think it would have been on the cards that they were looking for somebody else.
0: James, what do you think of the casting across season one?
1: Daniel Kaluuya was, apart from skinned, basically an unknown, I want to say, at this point. I mean, he'd been in a few things. He was in a film called Chat Room, which was a kind of quite small, British, straight-to-DVD type affair. But then you've got him, who's really powerful in that role and just excellent and very, very raw and very, very honest. And you've got the likes of Rory Kinnear and Jodie Whittaker, um, who were just very, very well-known. Jodie Whittaker, arguably... Probably the most famous actress in the country, I'd say now, um, <laughs> which is interesting that that one has worked out. It's uh, really good for her. She's fantastic. Toby is ex- 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 excellent as well. Yeah, everyone in this first series just seems very, very um, adept at that role and, and very, very well cast. And so, you know, it's almost as if Brooke has just written the, the role for them. That's how well they play it. And I think that just lends itself to the fantastic writing. Uh, yeah, I think that's one of the great things about Charlie Brooker. I, I've got so much time for Charlie Brooker, anything he does, and I think that's the best. One of the best things about him, no one's off limits, including himself, <laughs> including sometimes. If you see, I beg any Black Mirror fan to go onto YouTube. There's videos of it and of him before he'd even met Connie Huck, delivering quite a cervic kind of swipes at her uh, when she was um, a very famous kids' TV presenter. Um, and I think that's one of the great things about him. I just think he's he's completely game for doing anything, saying anything, including himself, yeah.
0: So season one of Black Mirror was shown way back in December 2011. Paul, do you have fond memories of of working in one of the earliest Black Mirror
2: episodes? Is that how long ago it was, really? Yeah. Six years ago. My goodness, it flies by when you're having fun,
0: doesn't
2: it? Do you know, I've still got my grey jogging suit. There's something you ought to know. That's brilliant. Uh, yeah, yeah. I sometimes run in that vest because I don't own vests. It's not, you know, vests are not something I buy or own. Um. So I, I um, yeah. I thought I said, oh, can I have these for dosing about the house? In they're really comfy. And now I occasionally find myself um, in a hot gym wearing that grey vest. Very infrequently, but there you go. Listeners might be interested in that um, rather mundane fact.
0: James, why should newcomers to Black Mirror go back and watch the first series?
2: Kind of this
1: great avant-garde makes you think storytelling, um, and I think that's that's the message I'd like people listening to this to heed: is just go out and dig up, out that first series, those first two series, if you're not sure whether you like it. I don't think you'll regret it at all.
0: It's the episode a lot of people associate Black Mirror with. It looks like Black Mirror; it has Black Mirrors on all the walls.
2: I often think of Black Mirror and our episode when I am using my iPad and the sun is shining and all I can see is myself. It's always that, you know, it's the obvious, I mean, it's what it means, but I do think of that, you know, for, for the obvious reason. If you've got any thoughts about
0: our conversation today or about the episode itself, then please do tweet. You can tweet the podcast at, at Black blackmirror.com and uh, you can get me on at Sachandra and both his Twitter handles should be written down on whichever platform you're listening to this podcast from.